today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. In our own life, as we've seen God work and move in our lives, has God ever been faithful beyond your obedience? He has. A lot of times, even in our own rebellion, God still comes through for us. God remains faithful even when we're not faithful. Why? Because He cannot and He will not deny Himself. The Lord is always faithful. We can be quick to judge the Israelites, their rebellious behavior, and their lack of faith, but we can also often forget the faithfulness of God in our own lives. In today's message, Pastor David will teach about a great tool that the Lord gave Moses, a song. God wanted the Israelites to have a song in their minds, so that when they entered the Promised Land, they would remember the words from the Lord, and never forget that His words never fail. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Joshua Intro Part 2. part of your journey you might be on. As a believer, you need to have the full assurance, the full confidence and knowledge that your God is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. In the worst of times, in the darkest of times, when it is most silent, the worst things you and I can have are silent nights. Amen? Silent nights when it's so dark we can't see beyond our face and so quiet we can hear our heart beating and we don't hear God. It's then that faith really needs to be evidenced in our lives. That though I don't see him in this situation, though I don't hear him in this situation, I have absolute confidence that my God lives, that my God reigns. He is powerful and mighty to deliver. For all of us. And when he tells Joshua, he says, man, don't be afraid. Be strong. Be of good courage. I'm with you. So following this word of encouragement to Joshua from the Lord, Moses writes this song. The song all about the Lord, all about his people. And although it's not really a part of the book of Joshua at all, it's it's found in Deuteronomy, I think it really is a part because it does help us to understand what Joshua is actually going to be dealing with even as we get into this book. So you should still be in Deuteronomy. Look with me, if you would, Deuteronomy chapter 32, the Song of Moses. No, we're not going to put it to a tune. We're not going to learn it tonight. But one of the things we're going to find out about it, it's 
people are not a whole lot of different today than they were back then. It's easy for us in our situation to look back at the children of Israel and say, those dummies, man, you know, how could they miss this? God parted the Red Sea, gave them dry land to go across, took out the Egyptian army. He led them through the wilderness with a pillar of fire and with a cloud during the day. How in the world could they not believe that God is able, God will lead, God will take care of them, God fed them manna, their clothes did not wear out for 40 years. God fought their battles for them even during that time. During a time of rebellion, God opened up the earth, swallowed a whole bunch of them. That would get my attention. Okay, If he opened up and he swallowed all you guys over there, I bet we would pay attention, wouldn't we? They should have known. But now let's pause for a moment. Just in our own life. As we've seen God work and move in our lives. Has God ever been faithful beyond your obedience? He has. A lot of times, even in our own rebellion, God still comes through for us. God remains faithful even when we're not faithful. Why? Because he cannot and he will not deny himself. So when we look at this, as we're thinking of the children of Israel, why don't we think of ourselves too? Because it does. To me, it brings it home a whole lot more. I need to put myself in here first person a whole lot more than putting it off third person somebody else. Listen to what it says. Chapter 32. Moses' song. He spoke this in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel, the words of his song. He says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Oh, hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teachings drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops in the tender herbs, as showers in the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteousness and upright is He. And by this time, the people are going, yes, Amen, amen, hallelujah, wow, how great our God is. But now he gets to the second verse, okay? (laughs) They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and a crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations. When he separated the sons of Adam. He set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found them in a desert place. In the wasteland, a howling wilderness, he encircled them, he instructed them, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him. And there is no foreign God with him. He made him ride in the heights of the earth that he may eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. That's an interesting prophecy right there, but we could look at that some other time. 
curds from the cattle, milk of the flock with fat of lambs, the rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the choicest wheat, and you drank wine, the blood of the grapes. So here he is. He says, this song is about them as they go into the promised land. So he's saying, you know, he took you out of the wilderness and he's bringing you into all of this blessing. So remember that. And then he says, but Jeshurun, which is kind of a familiar name for Israel. You might have a pet name with your parents uh, of who you are, uh, Schnookums or, or Babyface or Darlin or whatever. Well, Jeshurun is a familiar name for the children of Israel. But Jeshurun grew fat and he kicked. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons and not to God. To gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals, that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful, and have forgotten the God who fathered you. And when the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see where their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. But I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. Who would that be? That would be the Gentiles. He says, okay, the Jewish people I've called as my own, but because of the way they act, I'm going to provoke them by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. Next verse. How many verses are in some hymns? I've known hymns, you know, all of my life, and some hymns, you know, they might have eight verses. Uh, we very seldom ever sang all eight, unless you were in one of the old churches and they would sing all eight of those verses. But I, I look at this and I said, man, this is going on. He says, I will heap disasters on them. I will spin my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword shall destroy outside. There shall be terror within for the young man and the virgin, the nursing child with the man of gray hairs. I would have said, I will dash them in pieces. I will make the memory of them to cease from among men. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is high. And it's not the Lord who has done this. So in other words, he says, I will not totally destroy them. Otherwise, the enemy, the non-believer, will say, hey, you know, we we conquered over them. No, I'm going to punish them myself. The interesting thing, when you look at the life of Israel, and you see all through their lives, times where they're nearly, utterly, totally destroyed, wiped out, and then God brings them back again. Other times they're totally, nearly all wiped out, and God brings them back again. What other nation that for 2,000 years was not a nation... And yet God brought back again the nation Israel. 
What language, like Hebrew, that was almost a dead language and yet was brought back again. So all of these things, God didn't totally destroy them because he wanted the world to understand. It was his punishment to them. It wasn't the destruction of man. No, it was God's punishment and disciplining of them because of their rebellion. He goes on. Verse 28. For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is a poison of serpents and the cruel venom of cobras. Is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasures? Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone, and there is no one remaining bond or free. He will say, Where are their gods? The rock in which they sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them arise and help you and be your refuge. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever, if I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives for the heads of the leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. What an interesting declaration that is. When we look at that as a song, as a declaration that was to be taught to the people in order that they would not forget, in order that they would remain cognizant of the fact that God had blessed them and blessed them and blessed them, and all they did was turn their back and started following the gods of the lands that God told them, go in there and wipe all that stuff out. Get rid of that, because again, the sin of the Amorites has come full board. The grossities, the, the perversions of that land were so intense. People say, well, why did they go and wipe so many of them out? Because of how wicked the people of that land had gotten. And as we get into the book of Joshua, we'll look into that more. Child sacrifices, all kinds of perversions in what they call their worship and just gross, gross stuff. And yet the people came in and says, oh, gee, that's interesting. I ain't never seen that before. And they start getting into it themselves. And you think, no, that's, that's what God is bringing you in to destroy. Think back the history of Christianity, at least in Western culture. 
Germany, for years, was a powerhouse of Christianity. Great theologians rose up from the churches of Germany. The might and the power of the truth of God's word that was proclaimed through missionaries out of Germany, through preachers and theologians from Germany. And yet the nation turned from God. And that's what arose out of that was a Hitler. You think of Great Britain. Again, the powerhouse of evangelism that Great Britain was, sending missionaries all over the world. Again, impacting the world for the hope and the sake of the gospel. And yet now today, they say that there's almost more mosques in Great Britain than there are active churches. Why? Because they've turned their back on God. We don't have to go too far back into the history of Great Britain and realize that they've just simply stepped away from the things of God. They've entered into the things of the world and the perversions of the world. Let me ask you this. Why does God even have patience with us as a nation? I have absolutely no idea why we have the freedoms that we do. We definitely do not deserve it. When we look at not only the lameness of the church itself, the apathy and the impotence of the church today, why do we still have? I think we are in such borrowed time. And we look at our government and we say, wow, they've done away with that. Wow, they're okaying that. Oh, they're calling evil good and good evil. Beloved, we are in the midst of a rolling snowball downhill and it is growing and growing exponentially to a point in time that I don't believe that we will recognize this nation should God not come, should the rapture of the church not take place. If God doesn't hasten here, we look 20 or 30 years from now, I don't think we'd recognize this nation. Most of our parents or grandparents would not recognize what's going on on this nation. The things that are so available and so blatant and so casual and so ordinary for us here today. That again, was there sin back in the, you know, 40s and 50s? Absolutely. You know, was there perversions back there? Absolutely. But it just wasn't as pervasive as it is in our nation now. And here it's, any of you ever spend, so to say, spend time on a high school campus? In recent years, spent time on a high school campus. You cannot, you cannot imagine the language and the connections and the things that are spoken about on a secular campus right now. To borrow a phrase, it would make a sailor blush. Stuff that is just normal that's going on in the corridors of the secular schools right now. It is absolutely gross and horrendous. I remember, and this was before we moved to Casa Grande, so it's been over 25 years ago. The company I was working for, we did a, uh, and this is down in Sierra Vista, we were doing a job on the high school campus down there. And so we were on campus, so whenever classes were to break, our rule was, okay, we had to stop working because they didn't want, you know, tools or anything in the way of students as they come. So you just stop. And the conversations 25 years ago, made me blush. And I'm thinking, I'm not naive. And yet, it just amazed me. Today, in the campus, today, lesbianism and homosexuality is rampant within our high school campuses. 
and wide open. The language, the things that are going, we are going so, so far, so, so fast. I look at this and I say, yeah, this is a song we need to learn. Because I believe the very same things are waiting at our door. Should the Lord tarry? Should the Lord tarry? Shortly after this song, Moses then turns around and he gives this awesome blessing to the tribes. We find that in chapter 33, but we're not going to go through that tonight. You can definitely look at it. But then after this awesome blessing to the 12 tribes, then we get to chapter 34. And there in chapter 34, uh, we read that the Lord takes Moses to the top of Mount Nebo, to the top of uh, Pishah, which is across from Jericho. So he's still on the western side of the Jordan in chapter 34, and he shows him a supernatural panoramic view of the Holy Land or the land of promise. Look there in chapter 34. It says, Then Moses went up, verse 1, went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pishah, which is across from Jericho, and the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea. The western sea is the Mediterranean Sea. The south, the plain of the valley of Jericho, which was actually not too far from him. The city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Now, we know that he wasn't going to cross over there because of, again, a sin that he committed earlier. We're not going to go into that. Verse 5 says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Now, I say that he gave him this supernatural panoramic of the land because on Mount Nebo, you cannot see all that land in the natural. I know I've been there when we go on our tours of Israel. If we go over to the Jordan side, we actually go up to Mount Nebo and we can look around. You get a great panorama on a good, clear day. You can see, well, you can't see forever, but you can see for a long way out there. But you can't see the Mediterranean Sea, nor can you see the land of Dan. It's just too far. The curvature of the earth keeps you from being able to do that. That's why I believe God, just as he says, I caused you to see it with your eyes. He gave a supernatural view for Moses to be able to see all of those things. So down in verse 9, still in chapter 34, we read, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all of his servants, and in all of his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all of Israel. There's not been a prophet like Moses at all. Most of us have heard the story of the walls of Jericho falling down. 
we remember this story from Sunday School. This is just one of many events David will be bringing fresh insights to as we study the book of Joshua together. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you.